My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Today we're going to kind of tag team preaching uh, on this as we talk about a transition and, and pass a baton. Uh, some of you were around uh, 10 years ago. It was September of 12. And uh, in fact, I was talking to a gal, I think, I think Laura's here. There we go, hon. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to my son, Seth, as well. He goes, it was that long ago? I'm like, yeah, it was 10 years ago when I handed out 1,200 batons, Paul. We had them lined up in these little carts and they were all kinds of colors. And, and we talked about the, the idea idea in God's word that things last and should last beyond us, that we should not be the end. We should be just one of the links in the chain. And so I handed the batons out and I talked about Moses and Joshua and Elijah, Elisha and Jesus and disciples and Paul and Timothy. And, and I, I asked you to kind of feel the baton and imagine feeling the fingerprints of the person that introduced you to Jesus, the people that were mentors for you, that uh, pointed you in the right direction. Their fingerprints were on your baton because they passed it to you. And, and then we kind of walked back in history that there was a time when, when the disciples held your baton, when Jesus was the one that passed it to them. And his dream is that we continue passing that baton. Uh, and so we talked about that in ministry. And I said, hey, within 10 years, I want to be able to pass the baton of leadership. Everybody took a collective gasp. And I said, that means if, if, if the next guy is 34 like I was, I got to start hanging out with 24-year-olds. And then there was a bigger gasp. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, what is anybody? Yeah, well, none of us knew that, right? We're on a journey. And so we are here today because I get to pass this baton to my friend Paul. And to be, now, I, yeah, absolutely. Some of you are like... I thought he was already pastor. He is. It's kind of that grand opening during the soft launch. So the soft launch was uh, from Easter on. So it better get better after this is what they're saying, right? <laughs> Customer service, product, you know. No, is that we're not a store. We're a church. And he's already began began pastoring our souls. And so we want to talk about that in the relationship of a message that is God's word to us. And so 
I've been blessed to see God do amazing things. Uh, this week, it's actually uh, Monday night, so tomorrow night and Tuesday and Wednesday, I get to see a total of eight regional executive directors for the Conservative Baptist in America show up. They're going to be here at sunrise. We do these meetings three times a year, and we're hosting them. And one of the times, I'm going to just walk them through the building. And every time I walk through this building, uh, usually I'm running through this building, uh, but I walk through this building, I see God everywhere whether it's in this room or on these banners or, or in, the, in the foyer or down the children's area. Um, I like to make it, we pray on Sunday mornings as a, as a, you know, kind of a programming team. We go out, pray as a hospitality team. I go and pray and talk with the children's workers and, and the Hispanic congregation, Pastor Israel in, in Braun Hall. And, uh, and then back in the dining hall, prayed with Peggy. And it's just like God showed up in all those ways. So some of you have been here long enough, maybe you were at the original building, and so you've seen all those things. Some of you don't know some of the amazing things God has done, and I really praise the Lord that he showed up. And it's, it's God who's done all this. I believe it's even God that's brought you, that's brought me, that's brought Paul. We are all a part of a journey of God, not us. And, and we want to talk about that, and we want to talk about the transition of how not God making a transition, but us making a transition under God, because God still wants to do some amazing things, and I'm, su I'm super excited about that. My family and I, we could not be more blessed to be a part of Sunrise. Um, I'm so thankful uh, to be here. My sons all came to Christ here. They were raised here. Uh, two of them now are graduated. One's on the way, you know, next year. And, and one day, they'll bring back their grandkids, Lord willing, the clock is ticking, because uh, I'm getting older. Um, and then they'll get to hear about the great things God done, has done in the past. And that's a good thing. But what we want to think about is the good things God's going to do in the future. Because he's the same God yesterday and today and forever. And so I just want to always remind myself that it's about God, not about me. You know, and I think in this transition, as we've looked back, which is very important to do, we can see the favor of God on sunrise big time. Right? I'm sure just like James, you could look back. And remember stories of God doing amazing things, maybe right where you're sitting. Maybe you've been sitting in this seat for over 10 years, that exact seat. Uh, the stains on the chair are from you, and you know them well, right? Uh, so That would be Heather Brown over there. That's her chair. Don't touch her chair. Uh, but, you know, I think in transition, we, we, we ask ourselves the question, how can we hold on to that? Right? I think in the back of our mind, there's that sense of anxiousness of how can we hold on to the favor of God? Because clearly, he's been with us. You know, I have to tell you that in the candidating process, it's not just you getting to know me, but it's me getting to know you. And I, I fell in love with Sunrise in the candidating process. It seemed like every stage, every step, God just made it more clear and clear and clear. And I'll tell you that it was not only evident to me, but evident to my friends, my friends who aren't even following Jesus, who, who, are, who are far away from God, the more and more I told them about Sunrise, the more they said, that's the church you got to go to. I'd want to go to that church. And we don't want to lose that, right? And you know that, and it's fair, it's okay. It's okay to have that question in your mind. How can we hold on to the favor of God? How can we hold on to what has brought us here? How do we do that? And James and I have that same question, right? How can we hold on to the favor of God? And I have to tell you, I think we have found in the scriptures, I think just something that's resonated with us, a transition that has resonated with us is in 2 Kings chapter 2, 
In 2 Kings chapter 2, what we see is we see a godly transition go really, really well. A humble transition go really, really well. We've seen the favor of God fall on the next leader in an amazing way. And in that passage, here's what we see. The greatest way to hold on to the favor of God is we have to let go of some things. In fact, that's the big idea for today. So if you're only going to write down one thing, I want you to write this down. If you're going to retweet something, just make sure you tag Sunrise. This is what I want you to retweet. We hold on by letting go. We hold on by letting go. What do I mean by that? We can hold on to the favor of God by letting go of our leaders. By letting go of the leaders who have brought us to this point. And letting go of the leader who's bringing us into the new season. When we let go of men, we let go of a leader, that's when the favor of God falls. Because he's the hero, right? And he's the hope. And if we're under him, it doesn't matter who the leader is. God's favor will be upon us. So I want to show you this. I want to walk through this. And you're going to get a little bit of the raw kind of, I think, emotion and vulnerability that, that we're going through as leaders in this transition And so I want to show you 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 1. And here's what we're going to see. Everybody has to let go of something. Everybody has to let go of some leader in some way in order to hold on to the favor of God. And what I want to start with is what do I have to let go of? As the incoming leader, what do I have to let go of? So this is 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 1. And this is Elisha. And he is about to take over for his mentor, Elijah. It might get confusing. I'll do my best to enunciate ja and sha as best I can. Okay, so you want to follow on the screen or in your Bible or on your phone because the ja and the sha, you may get lost. I thought about renaming them Batman and Robin. (laughs) But I didn't feel that that was appropriate. (laughs) You know... I want to say this, that as soon as Paul said that word, you know, that, that idea of letting go of a leader, there's anxiety, yeah. right? And that's normal. I mean, I've been your pastor, senior pastor for 24 years, I've been here 28 years, and that's okay to feel that. And when we talk about letting go, this has all been about God anyway. And so we're not letting go of God or God's blessings. We're letting go of our preferences. We're letting go of you know, our desires. We had to do that 24 years ago when we started this journey of change and growth. We, we all have to do that. Um, I, I was so excited. My wife and I and family were there to see uh, my son graduate uh, on Friday night. And it's a letting go process. You know, it's just, I let him go. He's going to serve Tadmore this summer. He's going to go to college. It's a letting go. And so the idea of letting go or, or passing a baton is something we should all be doing. It should be a, a, a normal part of our life that we're sharing our faith and we're passing it along, that we're sharing our life, that we're inviting neighbors into our home, that we're letting them go home with the Spirit of God and not trying to control it, right? That when we see our children grow up, or our grandchildren grow up, we let them go. That's such an important part of what it means to follow and have faith in God. It's not us. And if we hold on to it, I think we stifle it. But we've got to hold on by letting go. And so this is a great story. So let's jump into this. So watch this. You're going to see this pattern over and over again. Elisha, Robin, can't let go of Batman. He's having a really hard time. And he's going to be reminded he doesn't want to talk about it. He's going to be told, hey, I'm moving. I don't want to talk about it. I got to go with you. I don't want to talk about it. 
So let me read through this passage just, just to kind of show you this pattern, this, this rhythm over and over and over again. Verse 1. It said, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling to Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you live yourself, I will never leave you. You're going to see that three more times. So he went down together. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of the prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you? We're going to see this twice. Look at his response. Of course I know, Elijah answered, but be quiet about it. Is he having a hard time? He's having a hard time. Look at verse four. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elijah replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then a group of the prophets from Jericho came to Elijah and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take away your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elijah said, but be quiet. This is so funny, isn't it? He's having such a hard time. Be quiet about it. Then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. You see, the, there's a lot of emotion here, isn't there? You can feel the attachment. And honestly, it makes sense. Because Elijah, Batman, he was pretty awesome. He beat the Joker. He beat the Riddler. Bane a couple times. Right? And Batman was there doing what? Or sorry, Robin was there doing what? Holding the utility belt. Getting in the way. Riding his motorcycle. Right? But Batman was always the hero. And really, if you look at Elijah, Elijah has done some amazing things. I mean, miracles. He's done miraculous things. He's also, not only has God used him to do miraculous things, but he stood up to persecution. There were powerful people that wanted to silence his prophetic voice, and he stood strong. Now, just think if you're in this transition where being a prophet isn't the most popular thing, the most welcome thing, you want a strong guy who can call down fire, right? If I'm getting in a fight, I want chemo with me. Amen, amen. And Heather Brown. <laughs> right? You know that's true. Uh, yeah. You want, you want the big guns, right, to be there by your side. So Elisha is having to deal with, wait, my, my mentor is leaving. My miracle-working mentor is leaving. The one who can face down oppression is leaving. I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to let go. I don't, I don't want to let go. You know, I think this is true for me. I have a hard time letting go of James. I love James. I admire James. God has done some amazing things through his leadership, things that I want to see God use uh, in my life to do for the church and for the city. But I have to let go of him. Now, I'm really thankful that it's not completely like what we see in 2 Kings, and we'll see that later, where Elijah is actually taken away into heaven. Right? I don't have to lose the presence, his presence. He's still going to be here, serve us as a pastor. right? He's letting go of leadership, but he's still going to serve us because he loves this church and he's a wonderful pastor. He's going to be here to support. That's true. I don't have to lose his presence, but here's what I have to kind of let go of is the pressure, the pressure of being James. 
And what I have to realize is God has called Paul to be Paul. God has not called Paul to be James. And as much as I admire and love, I have to let go. Let go of that idea that I have to fall under that pressure or that I have to do the things that James has done the way James has done them. Right? My leadership is going to look different. It's going to look different. But it's going to be grounded on the same thing. And that's the favor of God. So how do I hold on to the favor of God? I have to let go of a leader. I have to let go of the pressure of being James. That's how I hold on to the favor of God. Because God doesn't want me to hold that that tight. He wants me to learn and admire and, and, and learn from support and all those things. But God needs to see me open my hand and say, Paul, you have to be what I've called you to be. And that's what I take away from this. That's my job to let go of. One of the very reasons we're here today is because of that 10-year-ago moment, because of all mm. the conversations I've been having with long-term pastors, people that had been there 10, 20, or more years. And as I was sitting with them, I was asking the questions, what does transition look like? And I have to tell you that nobody was talking about it. In fact, people wanted to hold on. Um, I, I talked to one guy that I had known since the early 80s. He's like, well, I think I was going to die in the pulpit. I'm like, well, do you think that would really be a good visual? <laughs> on so many levels. Now, listen, if a chariot of fire shows up, I'm hopping on. As the Klingons say, today's a good day to die. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but, but we don't want to let go. And there is something intrinsically dangerous about a leader that doesn't want to pass the baton on, that wants to hold on to, I'm just going to say it, power or position or a title. And one of my joys has been to introduce Paul uh, and, and Lindsay to some of the leaders that I have built a long-standing friendship with. Uh, we had a dinner in Portland a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, and where I just got to introduce Paul as my pastor. And he's the guy that's going to be leading Sunrise in the future. And everybody's excited because they love Sunrise. And people around Portland are talking about this. And then even we had a, a week or so ago, we met with the Ministerial Association here in Hillsboro. My dear friend Rich over at Calvary Chapel, you know, we, he hosted a lunch specifically to welcome Paul to the community. And we got such a great great connection of churches, of men and women in leadership. Yeah. And that is something that has taken years to develop. Uh, but I get to let go of it. In fact, I got to stand up there and say that Paul's my pastor now. I serve him. I'm letting go of that leadership. I'm also letting go of this idea that Paul has to be me. I know you feel this. I don't want anybody to see Paul as James 2.0, that would be a fail. I mean, I struggle to be James 1.0, you know what I mean? Paul just needs to be Paul. We need to each be the men and women of God in the moment, in the season that God has us, not trying to be anyone else. You know, we don't want to, he wants to preach like Paul. I want to preach like me. You know, Shane wants to preach like Shane. Jacob wants to preach like, I'm not sure, he's awesome actually. <laughs> Jacob, I want to be like Jacob uh, when he preaches. Um, but the fact is, is that it's good for a congregation um, to remember the metaphor that Jesus said, you know, we're all sheep and we need shepherds, but it's Jesus who's the chief shepherd. And I, I loved the fact that I got to hold the reins, the rod and the staff for those years, but I have gladly and with incredible enthusiasm passed them on to Paul. I don't want to hold on to those anymore. I mean, I want to hold on to our friendship and our relationship, 
but it changes. And as long as I let go of that and make sure that I let go of any pressure that Paul might feel, and it's going to happen to be something, it's like, let's just let go of that. That was a good season. Let's see the next season. I'm, I'm super pumped about that. Now, I want to take you into the next part of this story to kind of illustrate that. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 7 to 10, we want to see this. It says, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped, stepped into the river, stopped the Jordan River, stopped beside the Jordan River. Sorry, sorry. Then Elijah folded his cloak. It is hard, those two names, they really throw you. Yeah. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. I love that, that Elijah wants to serve uh, his successor who he's passing the baton to. And in the same way that Paul and I have had dozens of conversations about this. I mean, even, even in the last, well, since I've been preaching and Paul's been in this position, I've asked him, here's my sermon. What would you like me to say? You know, and so if there was anything good over the, my last sermons, it probably came from Paul. Um, <laughs> but the idea is that, you know, we all have to do this. I have to do this. What would you like? Because Elijah holds a baton. And he, he asks Elisha, what would you like me to do for you? He says, um, what, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double portion. <laughs> I love that, a double share of your spirit and become your successor. And I love the response. You've asked a difficult thing. That sounds like Yoda. It's you know very what I mean? Yoda. A difficult thing you have asked, you know what I mean? <laughs> Elijah replied, if you see me when I'm taken away from you, then you'll get your request. But if not, then you won't. Now, that sounds really cryptic, but the basic idea is that Elisha has to stay close to Elijah. I mean, in verse 9, we see this concern. Uh, first of all, that, that Elisha has, he wants, he wants to follow well in, in Elijah's footsteps. I mean, don't we all want to do that? I think your kids want to do that. They love and respect you. The people that you disciple, whether you're leading a ministry here and you pass it on to others, they want to do well. They want to honor your memory and what you've poured into that. And Elisha wants to do that. And Elijah wants to serve him because it's about more than him or it's about the kingdom, right? Um, Elijah wants that. But he also knows their limitations of his own ability to guarantee things. And that's a tough one right here. I mean, I've loved serving you as your lead pastor. I've been your friend. I've been, I've been your pastor. I've, I've been with you in some really good seasons and some challenging seasons. Been with you, you know, in hospital visits. I've been with you, you know, in, in homes, been praying. And that's, that's awesome. I love all that. But now my question is, Paul, how do I serve you best as you become Sunrise Pastor? And so the conversation between Elijah and Elisha has really sparked a lot of thoughts here between Paul and I. And the basic idea here in this text is that Elisha wants to be the first in the line of Elijah's successors. He's walked with him. He's been with him. He wants to follow in those footsteps. And yet it's going to be different. It's going to be different. And that's the same with Paul and I. The way he preaches, the way he teaches, it's going to be different. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, he asks for a double portion, which is kind of audacious, right? I mean, it's just like, that was awesome what you did. I want to do more. No, it wasn't like that. It was, I want to see God show up. Can you imagine following in Elijah's footsteps? He's Elijah. That's unbelievable. And what Elisha wants to do is not for his own glory, 
But in the memory of Elijah and in the, the understanding that God did all of it anyway, he wants to do that and more. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And now what, what's really cool in the story is when you read it, uh, that Elijah is recorded as performing 14 miracles. And Elisha is recorded as performing, take a wild guess, 28. Yes, you, none of you went to California schools like Paul and I did, so you got that quickly. We're going to get you that gold star from Children's <laughs> right. 28 miracles. And just some amazing miracles. Amazing miracles. Elijah had some rough seasons. Elisha has some rough seasons. But it wasn't about that. It was about the favor of God. Notice Elijah doesn't say yes or no. He leaves it up to the Lord. And I have to let go of that. I have to be able to say whatever God does through the leadership of my pastor, Paul, here, is about God. Because I know, I know Paul's heart. Um, but I knew my heart as a young leader setting out. I didn't know what to do. Just by prayer and walking and reading and preaching and teaching and, and seeing God show up, we just experienced all these things. I mean, some of these things, you know, have our fingerprints on them, but they really have God's power and his presence that took, you know, really the shape of what Sunrise is. And I want to see that, but I can't force that. I can't make that happen. I can't hold that expectation over Paul, and neither can you. We need to make sure that God shows up, and when he does, we celebrate that together. With all my heart, I want to see Paul succeed, and I want to see him take sunrise in the next step, and really, the spiritual harvest is up to the Lord of the harvest, and I believe he wants to see people saved. I believe he wants to see people completely have their life turned around. I believe he wants to continue to see sunrise as one church among many in our community uh, make a difference for him. What happens next in the story, though, really kind of reveals God's heart for a humble leadership transition, and Paul's going to take that. So this is what we want to see, right? This is, we're, we're almost at like that point of we're getting there, but what happens next is what we want to see here at Sunrise. And you notice how, like James pointed out, Elijah was so humble. He wants Elisha to succeed, but he says, hey, it's up to the God. It's up to God. If you see this supernatural thing happen, if God opens your eyes, then you'll know the favor of God is on you. And that's exactly what happens. And I think because of Elijah's, Elijah's leadership and his humility to say, I'm, I'm letting you go, Elijah, to the Lord. I think what we see is a wonderful, awesome transition, right? Let's, let's look at this. Look at God show up exactly what Elisha and Elijah wanted and exactly what Sunrise wants, James wants, and Paul wants is right here in verse 10. Sorry, verse 11. And as they were walking along, and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between them, the two men, separating them. Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Let me stop. We don't want to see this. I'm not going to tear my clothes. I should have introed that a lot better. Well, first of all, because he's got a really nice baby Yoda, a Grogu shirt yeah, on. Not, I, I, I got a Harley one on. He's got a Grogu. So let's not tear that one. What we want to see is this part here is the favor of God fall. Verse 13, Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elijah went across. What they wanted happened. Elijah saw Elijah leave. 
That was a sign that the favor of God was on him. He's able to perform this miracle, which was the last miracle he saw his mentor perform. Is that interesting? What I think is really interesting there, too, is that he strikes the water and then he asks the question, where is the God of Elijah? I think there's some uncertainty there. Right? His leader is gone. He's worried. He tore his clothes. He slaps the water and says, is God still here? My leader is gone, but is God still here? My, my mentor is gone, but is the favor of God still here? And what happens? God shows up. This is what we want. If we can let go of our leaders. Elisha had to let go. Elijah had to let go. If we can let go of our leaders, then we can hold on to the favor of God. Because if any leader, whether it's James or Paul or the next guy, if those leaders are under God, then we will be under the favor of God. God will always be the head of this church, always the hero of this church, always the hope of this church. That's what he's been. That's what we'll continue to be. And if we can hold on to the favor of God, it's because we've been able to let go of men and of leaders who have blessed us so well. But there's another group, another group that has to let go. And this is hard. Which is why James is going to say it. <laughs> this is a great part of the story. It's kind of a, it's a funny one. It's like, really? Seriously? Uh, by the way, if you've been reading through the Bible with, with us, you've had those even recently, right? I had one this morning. I'm like, that's odd. Um, but when we see the story, not only do I have to let go of the leadership and that, and Paul has to let go of trying to follow in my steps, um, you have to let go. You have to let go of me as your shepherd. I'm going to be here. I mean, I'm going to be friends. I'm going to, we're going to walk around. And I, I'm, you know, some of you, I've already committed years in advance. I'm going to do your funeral, right? Okay, I'm going to do that. That's just the reality. I it love that. It kind of sounds like a threat. <laughs> I'm going to do your I'm funeral. I'm going to do your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, we already made that arrangement, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. I did Byron's. I'm going to do yours, hon, right? In 20 years, okay, or more, 30. I'm, you know how old I am? Let's, let's just, you know. Set our expectations well here. Um, but, but here's the reality, is that these, this story we see is that, that you're going to have to let go of me as that guy. And that's okay. Because in my own heart of hearts, I still feel like a scared 18-year-old kid that just, you know, was introduced to Jesus. And I'm just walking along the journey. I know we see each other in interesting ways, in different ways. But you have to let go of me. I want to take you to this. And it's uh, just verses 15 to 18. So, so check this out. This is kind of funny. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha, which is really good. And it says, and they went to meet with him and bowed to the ground and said, sir, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No. Did he fall out of the yeah. chariot? <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days and did not find Elijah. Elijah was still at Jericho and they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? He asked. That's just really odd, you know, but that's human nature. Let's just be honest. That's human nature. Um, the people followed Elijah. These prophets followed this great prophet. And on one level, they're ready to follow Elisha. But another level, it's kind of like, can we, can we just check just in case? <laughs> just in case. 
And it's like, no, don't go on that journey. Don't go on that journey. Um, Like I said, I'll always love shepherding you. And the reality of this is that in order to accept Paul's leadership of your own soul, which we're going to have in a moment, a a prayer and a, a commitment time of Paul and of you, of all of us, is that you have to let Paul become your shepherd. Yes, there are many shepherds. I get to shepherd, Shane, Keith, all of us, we get to shepherd. That's beautiful. And there's an element of that. But you have to let go of me as the guy that has made many reasons. You know, you've come to sunrise. Maybe I've done a wedding or I've done a funeral or we've done ministry or God impacted you through a message or something like that. Or one of the ministries that we're a part of that we initiated together. You have to let go of that. And you have to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to keep looking. I'm just going to listen to the new guy and say, no, I'm not going to search. Um, you need to let go of me as your lead pastor. You really do. And that's, that's always going to be a hard one. Because th- those moments, I look back and I think back, and it's just story after story of how good God was to move in the seasons where I got to lead you. And so we hold on by letting go. And I, I want you to hold on to the favor of God. I want you to hold on to the glory of God by letting go and letting go of me. Um, so we're going to prayerfully commit ourselves to this journey. And um, so in order to do this, we're going to kind of move some things around up here. I'm going to invite a couple folks to come up. So Marty and Bobby and Leonardo is going to come up here. And um, while they're doing that, um, I can introduce Marty because I've known Marty. Actually, Marty's come up. You'll kind of make your way around to the stairs there. It's kind of dark. So, um, And... Um, Marty came under uh, my leadership and has been a great friend, and, and uh, we've been able to have an amazing relationship, but she was the one that um, I felt in my heart just because I had seen how she had led uh, in some small group areas. I thought, she needs to lead this next part of the journey. I entrust myself to Marty, God, to lead our search team, and she did a phenomenal job, and she led that, and, and so why don't you come on down here. I'm not sure how this will all work. So come on, step down here so you're at the same level. And, um, and so you go ahead and introduce yes. uh, everybody else. So these, this is Leonardo and Shelly Galvin. And they've been there with me and my wife from the very beginning of doing full-time ministry. Uh, both very patient. Uh, they trusted me with leadership of their kids, whether in our, my student ministry. Um, I don't know why they did that. But they did. And God honored it and just been great leaders, great mentors, just great Great, great people. So then be up here is just really important and special to me. And then this guy, we just found him. <laughs> so we don't know if anybody, you know, no, this is Bobby. Come on, Bob. This is my dad. If you can't tell, we have the same cheekbones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the man who was there when uh, I surrendered to Jesus. This is the man who was there when I was angry at God. This is the man who was there when I surrendered to ministry. Uh, he keeps following me. Uh, I think it's because my gran- the grandkids, Amen. let's be honest, um, <laughs> and my wife's cooking. Uh, but he's up here because he's super special to me, to me as well. Um, here's what I want to do. Paul, why don't you stand right here, and um, I want to read some words to you. And this is a time where we want Paul to commit to leading you in a way that the Apostle Paul says is the way to go. And it's from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. It's not on the screen, but I just want to read it to you. It says, Paul says this to his young uh, disciple. He says, I solemnly urge you 
in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Well, that's a, that's a preface right there. <laughs> like, this is serious, right? This is, this is a moment, right? I solemnly, I call you to this. He says, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound doctrine and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. We see that in the world today. We really do. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And Paul says this. I'll close with this. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So this is what Paul is saying to Timothy and I think Paul is saying to Paul. All right, you got all that? You got that straight? You need a flow chart for all this. Elijah, Elisha, Paul, Paul stuff. Okay. Number one, this is our charge. Um, will you commit to preaching the word of God? I mean, preaching it in boldness, letting it teach us and correct us, whether it's a good season or a difficult season, whether people want to listen or they just want to listen to something else. Will you commit to preaching the word of God? Will you keep a clear mind? Will you keep a, not just a steady head, but keep your spirit lined up with God's spirit as our leader? Will you keep a clear mind and be in such a way that you're responding to God's spirit along the journey? And will you live and preach the gospel? Will you be uh, the embodiment of what we all want to be as evangelists for Jesus? And so this is, this is our calling and our charge to you. So will you commit to doing those things? And if so, say, I will. I will. All right. Now you get to stand up, everybody. So stand up. So here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a passage from Hebrews. And um, this, I think this is a beautiful passage. It is not very um, in line with our culture. So let me read this. Hebrews 13. Obey your spiritual leaders. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over you and your souls, and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And so Sunrise Church, myself included, will you commit to that? Number one, obey Paul's leadership. I get that he's just a man, but there's an understanding of trust in that word where we willingly submit to Paul as our spiritual leader. And will you let Paul pastor your soul? Uh, you, you've let me do that for all these years, and I'm so honored. Uh, but will you let Paul pastor your soul and be accountable to that? And number three, will you let Paul have the ability to do this with great joy so that in 20 or 25 or 30 years when he passes the baton off, that he gets to say to the next guy, these have been the people I've pastored. Now you get to shepherd their souls. So will you commit to those three things? If so, let's say, I will. I will. Now, um, I've got a baton here, and this is one of the original batons, and this says, Paul Crandall, lead pastor, Sunrise Church. And so I am going to hand this to you, my friend. So...
Now don't get too excited. There's an 11 o'clock service, so I have to take it back. Okay. <laughs> and then he'll get to keep it. But um, what we want to do is want to just, just have some short prayers uh, over Paul and over Sunrise as we dedicate him as our lead pastor. So I'm going to start with Marty. Lord, we just thank you so much for bringing Paul as our next shepherd to Sunrise Church and how you so clearly paved that way uh, for the search team. And I just thank you for the encouragement that he's already brought our staff. Help us to, as a body and as a staff, to encourage, encourage him along the journey. Help us to follow him and to follow him well. Help him just to, to increase in his love for you and for us. And I just thank you for what we see in him already, his special gifts and talents and abilities. And we thank you that these two men love each other. That's a very special thing that we have here. And I just, I thank you for um, just what you're going to do in the future. And I pray great blessing on his family as well, on Paul's family. And just that his love would just continue to increase with you and just overflow and that you would give him a lot of special um, empowerment um, through your spirit, Lord. We ask this all in your name. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Oh, and we thank you so much for Pastor James and, and the wisdom that you gave him uh, to, to set this thing in motion, that he would pass on this mantle of leadership to my brother Paul. Thank you for his humility that um, he's able to, to let go of the, of the leadership and be able to, to, to continue to serve Sunrise. So I thank you so much for that. But I also thank you for my brother Paul. And Father, that you saved this, uh, this man when he was 13 years old. And, and then he, uh, he followed the calling that you put on his life. Father, thank you for the trials uh, as well as the triumphs in his life that um, he's going to be able to use to, to be the, uh, the, the leader of this church. I thank you so much that um, you've, you've given uh, this congregation such a special gift in this man and his family. So, Father, I, I pray for this, uh, Sunrise as well, and I, I pray that you would allow them to uh, let go of what they've, uh, they've come to know and to, to love Paul and his family and allow them to be themselves and to um, make the mistakes. And uh, I thank you so much for that, that Paul has this, this heart uh, that just lines up so well from what I see here, that he has that, that, uh, the ability to build up people, to teach, but also he has his heart for the least, the last, and the lost so, Father, would you continue to, the work that James and others before him have started? And, Father, that you might get the glory. And we thank you so much for what you're going to do through this man and together as a congregation. So, Father, I pray that you bless this local lampstand. May it continue to reach out to the community. May, may, uh, may Christ be magnified in, in this area. And use these people, Father, to do that. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Only thing I can say, God, is wow. When you saved uh, Paul, you counted every step. But God, uh, thank you. As uh, he's been preaching about wisdom, God, oh God, will you give Paul wisdom? I guess James 1, 5, if any man lacking wisdom, let him ask of God. God, I pray that you would bless Paul, you would use him, you would guide him, protect him. God, I pray that you would um, put your angels uh, around this church. 
And God, we just uh, uh, bind the enemy because uh, he never he never wants God's power to be expressed. So God, to, to this very morning, you use Paul. And God, I, I'm just remembering uh, Numbers 6, 22 through 24. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, would you get his church peace and love and your spirit to be the well over this place. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 I want to say one final from the scripture in Hebrews 13, 21. 2021, may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all good things that is pleasing to him. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ everything you need to do his will, all glory and honor to him forever and ever. Amen.